Welcome to HubShots episode 283. In this episode, we talk about HubSpot top tips for August 22. And in this episode, we talk about the power of incremental growth, list layouts being saved as per list, making sure your email subscription types are set up properly, how to update a contact when a contact has left a company, reopening tickets within Service Hub, some workflow gotchas, and much, much more. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your marketing, sales, service, and operations results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? Really well, Ian, and good to be back. You know, we've had a bit of a break, not really by design, but I kind of thought it might be useful to chat about in the show. Because, you know, it's been more than a month since our last episode. I know. Which I think it's more like six weeks. That's the biggest break we've ever had recording shows in our seven plus years. And it wasn't because we wanted to or planned to. It's actually a result of life getting in the way, right? And I thought this might be an interesting topic just to remind listeners about in terms of incremental growth and continuous improvement. So we missed one week. I think that was due to end of financial year or something because in Australia, end of financial year is end of June. Then we're like, oh, okay. And then the next week got busy. And then the week after that, and before you know it, it was like a month and we'd broken That's our right. habit. So this goes to habits. And the, the big learning for me was just that reminder. It's incremental growth. In continuous improvement comes from habits. So if the habit breaks, your growth stops in a sense. But we're back on track now. So that's good. We'll pick up the habit again. But it wasn't all bad news because during the break, we've come up with a whole bunch of other things. We've got some interviews recorded. We've got them coming in the, in the next couple of months. We've got some changes coming, especially around the YouTube side of the show. So there are good things happening, but just a warning, <laughs> you don't want to get too caught up planning lots of things because then you get actually nothing done. So anyway, <laughs> to remind us there, continuous improvement. But I have to say, Craig, in the period that we have not recorded, we have done lots of other things that have been creating assets and products for our businesses and hub shots, which has been fantastic. So I think there is an upside to all of this, as long as we've been using our time wisely. Now, you had a shout out. Oh, two shout outs, actually. Um, First was to Huntington over in California. I I won't mention last name or business. I wasn't sure if we had permission to do that, but Huntington, you know who you are. Thanks for listening. And also thanks for your email, which had a ton of really good questions and suggestions for the show. And some of those questions we'll actually be answering or attempting to. Some of them were stumpers, actually, (laughs) about how to use HubSpot. They'll be coming up in upcoming shows. And also shout out to Moby and the Inbound Buzz team over at Red Pandas. They've been doing some good episodes again lately. I was missing Moby and the Inbound Buzz podcast. He's also doing YouTube stuff as well. That's right. All right, on to our quick shots of the week, Craig. Here are some things of interest. We've got a new developer marketer recommended role labels in all SEO recommendations in the tool, of course, and you need to have marketing professional and upwards to see this, but a really good addition to the tool. What's the next one, Craig? This is Apex domain functionality. It's just just a fancy word for root domain. So if you're using CMS Hub, you might have a dub, 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 which you've got to have if you're posting on HubSpot. But the root, the non-dub, dub, dub, it's like, what happens to that? Well, previously, 
in enterprise, you could set up a redirect domain for that. They're actually now making that more available in all tiers, I think, even free. I think so. When I was writing this, uh, these show notes, which was a couple of weeks ago now, it was in beta. I think we, we actually saw a client site the other day. They were on starter though. Just redirects, it's all there. So that's a welcome change. Solves this, just this little pain point. And you might remember we chatted about that way back in episode 256. So very glad to see that. And one of the other ones we can talk about is list layouts. You can save by default list per view and it enables you to explicitly save that or apply it to all your contact lists, which is a nice welcome addition to the list view. I really like this because the frustration the people have had is when they change the layout in a list, it affects all lists. And then when you go back in, it hasn't saved what you had at the list. Someone else has changed it, right? So this now, you can actually apply to all your lists, but when you click save, it saves it to just that list. So it's very much more like a view. So if you're creating a contact view, you know how when you save a view, it saves the layout as, as well as other things. Same functionality really is being uh, made available in this. So I'm really glad about that. Solves just a little irritation for me. So very happy. All right. On to our marketing feature of the week, Craig. So this is to do with email subscription types. And this comes up a lot in our HubSpot quick check audits for customers where we find areas that aren't being used. And uh, we often delve into this and people often ask us questions like, what is a good set? We always see the default. Is some too much? And so we're going to have to talk through it so we understand what the subscription types are and when and where to use it. I might just take a step back and just remind people what this is. Email subscription types, you know, you go at the bottom of uh, an email that you get from HubSpot and it says unsubscribe or next to it, it'll have a thing that says manage preferences. You click through to that and you're taken to a web page that says, you know, a bunch of interests you can tick and untick what you're interested in. Really useful because you can basically self-select what you'd like to get information about in emails. They're called subscription types. By default, and if you're getting the show notes, by the way, folks, sign up hubshots.com slash subscribe. We've got images or screenshots of some of these so you can see them all. And the defaults that come out are pretty basic, just marketing information, one-to-one and customer service, let's say. But then you can actually tailor those. And what you're doing here is tailoring to people's interests so that they can turn on and off maybe topics of interest, but also formats of interest. For example, a common one. People don't want to attend events, maybe. Perhaps they're not even relevant. You know, they're they're just working remotely. So don't send me emails that promote your events. Okay, great, turn it off. But then there might be resources. Yeah, I do want to get that. Oh, do you want to get the blog? Yeah, I will or I won't, that kind of thing. So it gives them the control. So we've got some screenshots of, you know, kind of a nice in in the middle there. And then this is actually from one of our clients where they've gotten very detailed. Some might say a bit too detailed. They've gone through all particular interests. They, they actually have products that they sell and very specific audiences feature the products. And so they've got a whole bunch of subscription types that people can opt in. And so what does that mean? Well, I'm going to talk about frequency versus relevancy in a second, but when they go to actually send an email, you can actually just choose the subscription type that it applies to. And what's really nice about this is that HubSpot takes care of it all. So if they've unticked it, i.e. unsubscribed in a sense from that type of email subscription type, when you go to send this email, it won't send it to those people who don't want to get that. So it's kind of, it's like unsubscribe, but at a granular level. I mean, if people unsubscribe from everything, 
HubSpot's great. Doesn't send them any emails. It stops them going out, protects you from sending people to unsubscribe. This just puts it at a granular level. But why I think this is really important is because the conversations we often have with clients, and I don't know if you have similar experiences, Ian, but they worry about frequency. The number of clients mm-hmm. that say, oh, are we sending emails too often? You know, should we cut it back once a week versus once a month? And I always try and change the conversation and say, look, it's not about frequency. It's about relevancy. Are you actually sending stuff that's relevant to them? And I know for me personally, I'll happily receive a daily email if it's extremely relevant. Whereas if I get something once a month that's not relevant, I unsubscribe. I don't think that's unusual. I think people are getting a lot more like that. They like to tailor what they get. And so you're doing a favor for them. And it's also taking a stress off your mind or an anxiety about frequency. If you've got relevant content, they've subscribed to it, send it to them as often as you like. Now, that's a blanket statement. Of course, your mileage may vary. Um, Obviously, pay attention to unsubscribe rates. So I'm not saying just blindly blast on that advice alone, but I very much think of higher priority is this relevancy. And the great thing about subscription types in HubSpot is you can control that and give them a much better experience. Is that a common conversation you have, Ian, with your clients? It is, Craig. It is definitely a common conversation. And I think people often get bamboozled by stuff. So simplifying it down is really good. All right, let's talk about our sales feature of the week, Craig. And this is how to update a contact when they've left a company. And this is a question we've been getting often of late and keeping people's databases clean. And just having a process to go about doing that because contact information is valuable. And in this example, because of the kind of contacts in this particular portal that this company deals with, they're actually valuable contacts. So even if they move to a new company, they are actually worth following and still keeping in touch with. So essentially what we have put together is a process about how to manage that. It is a slightly manual process, but it does make you understand and gives you a bit of thought around, should we keep them in the database or should we not? So one of the first things we do is we search in Google and it's quite simple if you're in the contact record to under the actions menu to do that, to find the contact. Go to their LinkedIn profile, check if they've actually moved to another company. And then we use a tool like Lusher, for example, that will tell us if they have updated their details and where to find them and then decide, is it a contact worth keeping because the the company they've moved to might be worth pursuing if they're not already a customer of yours or continue that conversation. And after we do that, one of the things we do inside HubSpot is to make sure we add them to a static list, not to email. So often you might discover they might actually already have hard bounce. That might be an indicator, but you might actually want to stick them into a static list so you know you don't want to email them, even if you update their email. So that's really important. If you say you found an updated email until you probably have a conversation with them or you've had a one-on-one email conversation, probably best not to email them. If you haven't connected on LinkedIn, connect on LinkedIn with them, follow up with a message or conversation, and you can use a template for this to see if the company is a good fit. If appropriate, I would say follow up with a call and have a conversation and then decide the outcome. And this will determine if you keep or remove the contact from HubSpot. So it is a fairly comprehensive, but it, especially if you've got high value contacts, a very worthwhile process to consider having in place and have someone on the team responsible for it on a fortnightly or a monthly basis. I think that's a really helpful process. Two quick comments. One is 
people might hear this process and go, oh, that's a lot of effort. And it's like, well, yeah, it is. But how much do you actually spend trying to get a new contact in the first place? And I go, oh, well, we normally spend like, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, all this outreach we spend in some big B2B companies. It's like, oh, we'll happily spend $500 to get a new contact kind of thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, how much time is $500 worth to you to actually go and do this process? Pretty sure it's going to be cheaper than 500 bucks to keep someone that you actually feel is valuable. The second thing I always find interesting around privacy, it's like someone's signed up to get emails have they given consent for you to email them or have they given consent for you to email them at that email address that they've provided? And it's the latter, which is why you've got this point about with their new email address, you need to add to a static list till you actually get consent because it's consent for that email address. If they update their email address, sure, that's no problem. But if you've updated their email address, there's not necessarily consent from their side. All right, let's talk about... Our service hub feature of the week, Craig. And this is about automatically opening a closed ticket when a customer replies. And this is a setting in pipelines that's available under the automate tab. Sometimes not so readily findable, but essentially there are two things that will trigger this from happening. Is an email sent to a customer, it'll change the status to waiting on contact. And if a customer replies to an email, it'll change the status to waiting on us. And they're kind of like the two things that you can toggle on and off. But well worth it because you don't want to miss anything, especially when things happen. Now, we did have another question from a customer. It's like, hang on, if the customer replies to that email and the ticket opens, but it's actually not related to that ticket, what do I do? And the really simple thing to do is create a new ticket and then associate that email conversation into that new ticket. And so you've then got a new ticket that actually is matched to the new issue that you're trying to resolve. So well worth doing that, but this makes sure that nothing gets lost along the way. Yeah, these are really good. And we're doing a lot of service hub stuff these days and complex kind of service and ticketing processes with customer care teams. And yeah, this is one that has come up. And worth mentioning, if you're looking at the show notes and get the screenshots, you can actually determine what status it gets set to. So if you've actually got complicated pipeline stages, you can actually define, well, if a customer applies to a ticket that's closed, you can actually say which stage it goes into. So that's really good. Behind the scenes, HubSpot creates their own mini workflow. You can't edit this workflow. It's kind of one that they control. And we've got that in the screenshot in the show notes as well. But it's really pretty simple and a good way to learn actually how HubSpot uses their own properties for triggering and updating values. Yeah, and so in talking about that, I just want to encourage people in the workflow tools, there are actually templates for different kinds of workflows. And I would encourage you, if you've got workflows and you're a bit scared, just go and create some off the templates and see how it works. And you can even run, there's a test button at the top where if you're triggering emails, the testing is actually quite good now where it'll actually send you those emails like it would send the customer and you can see exactly what they're going to get. So I encourage you to go in and actually use the tool, test it out and see what's possible because that's where you discover new possibilities. <laughs> All right, onto our HubSpot workflow feature of the week, Craig. Just a nice little reminder that you can view the email performance in workflows. So let's say you've got a nurture workflow, it sends out 10 emails over time and there's maybe there's branching based on criteria in the workflow. So you've got this long workflow sending emails to a contact. And you're like, well, which email's working? You know, are, are they getting opened? Are they getting clicked? Well, on the performance tab 
of a workflow, if you go into details, so not when you're editing a workflow, but if the details of a workflow, you can get a performance, scroll down the bottom, it very nicely groups all the emails together. I've got a screenshot here and you can see the open rates, click rates and things like that. You can actually switch by total counts versus percentage rates as well if you want to compare. Really useful for for a number of reasons. One, you can very quickly see which emails are getting opened. So then that might give you some valuable insights on subject lines and then you can see which ones are getting clicked as well. Some nice things about this that it includes variations. So if you're doing A-B testing of emails in workflows, it'll actually show you the variations. And if an email was selected as a winner or a loser, it'll actually tell you whether it's actually been removed from the workflow if it was a loser, for example. And just the winning variation continues on. So very handy. I don't think a lot of people use this or know about it. So just a reminder there on the performance tab. You know, one thing I saw on that screenshot, Craig, that's actually quite interesting. It's actually got a column for skipped, which must indicate that it knows which emails are being skipped in the workflow. And it's got a number beside it, which I thought was quite interesting. Wow. I'm going to check that out. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I, I know. I just I just realized that when I was looking at the screenshot, I thought, oh, hang on. That's a little new metric that we haven't seen before. Incremental improvement. Learning as we record the show, Ian. <laughs> That's right. All right. On to our workflow gotcha of the week, Craig. And this is a delay before branching to avoid a race condition. Now, for those of you who don't understand a race condition is that how do we describe it, Craig? It's something that... It, it's when two processes are trying to do something and they race to do it and one might get in before the other, even though the other was waiting. So yeah, you get a, a conflict. A really good example of this is that you might have values that are being updated in HubSpot, but when the form submit happens, those values don't necessarily get updated immediately or can't be read immediately. And so a really simple one example that we've got is that if you submit a form, you might want to actually stick a delay in there to give it time for the value to go in and then for the branching to happen thereafter. So when it branches, it's actually seeing the value that's been collected from the form versus going, oh, it hasn't changed. I'm going to head down this branch. That gives you the wrong result at the end of the day. So just that one minute delay adding both will stop these race conditions from appearing. So something to consider if you are having workflow issues and something has taken place, you might want to understand what's happened and just add that delay to solve that problem. Two quick comments on this. One, I wish that the minimum delay could be in seconds, not a minute. Yes. Especially on something like a thank you email. I wanted that to be sent straight away. But my second comment is, you know, years ago we used to do this, add a delay in, and then the last couple of years, like, we don't need to do that anymore. That's, that's ancient. So we, were, we haven't been adding delays. This particular incident you actually had and went through a whole long thing with HubSpot support where they finally identified, ah, okay. oh, there was a race condition met, as you had mentioned earlier. And so, yeah, we're going back to adding delays after triggers in, in most, of our, most of our workflows now, sadly. <laughs> Yeah, and I'd probably say that, Craig, because this was a complex branch based on lots of postcodes in Australia. So it was trying to figure out where to send it to. And essentially, there was a lot of branching taking place and a lot of checking taking place. So essentially, the delay was the complexity, I think, and that's what caused it. And so I was like, oh, okay, which is really interesting and made us realize the amount of 
calculation that was taking place behind the scenes to make it happen so well worth understanding. I'm really hoping, and I think this will happen, that in the future there's an update where HubSpot comes out and says race conditions are contained based on the logic we can see that you want to apply in the workflow. Therefore, you don't ever have to use delays. And I'm hoping we look back on this episode and go, well, how silly was that that we had delays? We don't need to do it anymore. That's what I'm hoping. And I hope this becomes like one of those antiquated things we laugh at later. All right, on to reporting. And this is something that, when I say reporting, people have actually been asking us for this, Craig. So let's talk about how's for custom report date part versus date frequency. Yeah, so date part is a new feature that's rolling out. It's really nice. I'm going to try to explain it. It's kind of hard to explain in words, but screenshots will help. And I've got a whole video that will go on our YouTube channel where we explain this. Essentially what's happened is uh, frequency. If, if you think when you've got a date, this only applies to date fields, hence the name date part, date frequency. To date, we've really had date frequency. It's called frequency now, but it's kind of what you're used to. And let's say you have a very simple report, show me all the contacts created and their create date. And the screenshot shows how that looks maybe over time. So they're grouped by month in this case, could be by week, could be by day even, but let's say by month. So screenshots showing that and you've got buckets. Now that's fine, but what's if you wanted to do some seasonality analysis and you instead didn't want to say, look, over the space of the years, I actually want to group it by the month. So show me all the contacts created in January versus February. Well, that's the new date part option when you've uh, added a field to your custom report. So instead of date frequency, which is the norm, you go to date part and you can group by month. And so, yeah, another screenshot in the show notes. This now shows all the contacts grouped for January. So the January one includes January 2013, 2014, January 2015 in, in our portal, for example. Grouping it. So what's the benefit of this? Well, there's a, there's a bunch of things. I've just used the simplest example, contacts and their create date. But you could very easily see, oh, there's a seasonality. There's particular months that were really good for creating contacts. I wonder why. And then you can drill in. So it quickly surfaces an insight that you can drill into for further investigation. Now start thinking about this. Well, not just contact create date. What about deal create date? In fact, what about deal close date? In fact, what about revenue? In fact, what about tickets being opened and closed? You name it. So this date part, I think, is very useful. You can use it in bar charts like we've got in the screenshots. You can use pie charts and things as well. So something to look at. I think this is really nice. Unfortunately, Custom Report Builder is slightly overwhelming to use the first time, which is why we're creating videos around Custom Report Builder. They also have templates. I thought it was good you mentioned templates in workflows and things like that, Ian, before, because HubSpot is getting a lot better at rolling out these templates. Part of the problem, though, is especially in the reporting side, you use a template, sets it all up for you, great, but you actually haven't learned the fundamentals of how to create the report. So you kind of then try and make a change. It doesn't respond the way you think and you get even more confused. So I'm actually a big fan of building custom reports from scratch initially, almost like learning first principles. That's why we've got some videos on our YouTube channel around custom uh, reports. But date part, really useful enhancement. Uh, make use of it. If you've got any questions, uh, let us know. That's right. Put a link in the comments or reply to our emails that you get on a weekly basis. So Craig, I think we'll see more and more in terms of uses that we will talk about with the day part. And the first one, obviously we spoke about is seasonality, understanding that. 
and applying that in this reporting sense. Uh, as we discover more, we will talk more about real life use cases so you guys can test it out on your portals as well. All right, let's talk about this is your target account recommendation. I, I just thought this was funny. Um, target accounts, by the way, we should use that more. Again, when we're doing these quick checks for clients, by the way, end of the show, if you're interested in our HubSpot quick check service, uh, stick around to the end. We'll go through that in a little bit more detail. But one of the things we chat with users is, oh, are you using target accounts? A ton of them aren't. Target accounts is kind of uh, HubSpot's ABM offering, I guess, uh, in a basic sense. But part of that, when you get that set up, it actually gives you recommendations. And say so click recommendations. What I thought funny, this is in our portal. It actually recommended HubSpot as a target account I should go after. So I'm actually going to start reaching out. I might send them, set up some sequences and <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Anyway, one good thing about this is that shows that it's all AI driven. So no one's going in there and kind of, you know, uh, removing stuff that's not appropriate or things like that. It's all AI driven. And some of the actual suggestions were quite good, but I just thought this was fun. So maybe that by making fun of it kind of jogs in your memory that you should go and check it out. That's right. Well, we're checking out target accounts and the prospects tool, which we will talk about more in later episodes. All right. The quote of the week, Craig, don't compare yourself with other people. Compare yourself with who you were yesterday. A very poignant quote from Jordan Peterson. So there you have people, don't compare yourself with others. Compare it with who you were yesterday. So Jordan Peterson, interesting. Um, I've actually read one of his books Slightly polarizing. I think I agreed with half of it and disagreed with the other half, but I really enjoyed yeah. reading it because it made me think. And my wife read it as well. And I think we both disagreed with different parts of it. <laughs> but the thing I really like about it, I know some people, you know, love him and other people hate him. I'm not sure where I stand actually, but this quote I really love, but it really got me to think. And I was reminded when I read it of that Charlie Munger quote that a sign of intelligence is when you can argue from both sides of a position. It's like if you can hold yeah. both sides and view them, almost argue for the other side, that's a really good way to stimulate critical thinking. Charlie Munger, of course, you know, works with um, Warren Buffett, Berkshire Hathaway. So I really like some of these things, like this quote I thought was really good. Advice for life. That's right. Finally, our training of the week is from HubSpot Academy and it's to do with HubSpot reporting. Well worth doing. It's about you need to spend probably at least three to four hours doing this, but there are eight lessons, 22 videos and seven quizzes and really targeted at, and like it rightly says, the marketing sales and service professionals. I think, to be honest, if you are working in HubSpot, you need to be across reporting. I think that's becoming more and more as we are seeing with our clients that we're working with. Reporting is actually a very key aspect to the operation of HubSpot and making the right choices. So, if you've got the data and you're able to extrapolate the right things from it, you can make some really good choices of how to reshape or re, how do I say, repoint yourself in the right direction or in a different direction that gives you a better result. So with all that great things, do you need help with your HubSpot portal? And I think the HubSpot quick check might be what you need. Craig, tell us about it. Yeah, this has been really popular. A lot of people booking in for this. And what it is, it's an hour to 90-minute session with us. We go through and look at your portal and give you recommendations. And so it's for people who are asking questions like, are there parts of HubSpot that I'm not using or I should be using or I could be using better or I'm using badly? 
what are best practices I should be using? Uh, you know, are, is there any glaring issues I need to address? Are my processes efficiently using HubSpot or could I use HubSpot to automate processes better? And then there's other people who are, look, look, I'm coming up to a renewal. HubSpot's not cheap. You know, it's expensive, whatever that means. I like to say, is it providing value versus not as opposed to cheap or expensive? But you know how people are. So is it good value? Well, yes or no. And I don't know if we win. Well, I'll talk for myself. Sometimes I don't know if we win friends within HubSpot because we're very honest about where we think the fit is for clients. For a lot of clients, we do say, yep, it's great. Or we recommend actually upselling, um, you know, upgrading to a new tier. And to others, we say, no, don't. And in fact, we even have some people say, should I use HubSpot? And we're, we're very, I think, reliable in, in the advice we give there. So that's what we're covering. We're answering those questions. And at the end of this session, you basically get a list of things to look at with our recommendations on priorities and things to address. And perhaps if you want to work with us to do that, that's great. If you've got an internal team or you're working with another agency, we don't try and tread on your toes. So it's not a big upsell. And for that reason, this is a paid service. It's four or 500 bucks for the hour. You know, it's pretty good value for what you get. Give you recommendations. We're not trying to upsell you on, you know, work with us. And that's why we're different because I know a lot of people do these free audits, which is just really a, a sales upsell to um, get you in. So look at that. If that's useful or you're asking those questions, just book in a time with us. We have some times blocked out in our diaries just for these. So hopefully that's useful. Anything to add to that, Ian? No, I think you've covered it, Craig. I think if you need help, reach out to us, sign up to the show notes, and we will be happy to help you wherever you are in the world. And I often get surprised by the people that connect with you on LinkedIn and email us. And it is, it's always a great joy and really makes our day to hear from you guys. So thank you for those who have written, connected on LinkedIn and sent a message. It really does mean a lot to us. Thank you. Well, Craig, until next week. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and resources, sign up at hubshots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.